what do you call a pony with a slightly sore throat? Ooh, a little horse. <laughs> ah, Did you get that off a Laffy Taffy? <laughs> no, it's dead jokes. It's not a tippy roll. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 184 of Bourbon Pursuit. I'm your host, Kenny, and this is the 28th recording of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. Now, the one thing we all love about Bourbon Community Roundtables is it's all about recent news. So therefore, I've got nothing to talk about except maybe just a little bit of our own. And that the fact is tomorrow is our first barrel pick of 2019. And we're going to be at Four Roses picking our first barrel. And then I guess we're kind of back to back. I don't know. You put a weekend in the middle. And we're going to be at Buffalo Trace on Monday, picking a barrel of Buffalo Trace. And thank you to our partner, Keg and Bottle, out of the San Diego area for making this happen. So make sure you go and check it out, keg, the letter N, bottle.com. And you, they can ship over 700 different whiskeys to your house nationwide. Now, this bourbon community roundtable has a lot of information. There's yet another fake Pappy alert. Yes, it's true. It's not the first time. It's Definitely not gonna be the last time. Fakers are getting better, and we talk about the most recent scandal that even involves an employee of Buffalo Trace who is allegedly selling counterfeit Van Winkles on the secondary market. And if you've been buying too much, maybe you should be watching a new series on Netflix called Tidying Up, and you may get some, uh, some tips on your bourbon bunker and how to kind of like let it loose. Then we dig into the certification game that's been happening. Um, you know, is there really such a thing as a, a whiskey sommelier or is it just a bogus hoax for your money and some large medallion for $4,000 at the end of the day? It's going to be an interesting little topic. Then we finish off the conversation saying goodbye to our good friend, Carrie, and we wish him well. You know, one thing that you always got to know is you got to go to burntpursuit.com. You got to get signed up for our email list. So you make sure you get every episode beamed to your inbox 7 a.m. every Thursday morning with all the show notes and all the links. And if you haven't taken the opportunity yet, please do. Write us a review on iTunes. That's what helps grow the show. That's what makes us better. So please go ahead and do that because without you, we're going to be the same thing as usual. We want to keep growing and we to keep reaching new audiences. Now with that, enjoy this week's episode. Here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick and this is Above the Char. In a recent Twitter poll, I asked followers if they believe whiskey marketers are trying to deceive them. 83% said yes. Well, I wrote in my book, Bourbon Curious, there's more bullshit per square inch on a whiskey label than a political ad, and I've never really put too much trust in what whiskey marketers say. I was rather stunned by the lack of belief in whiskey marketing. Perhaps I've grown numb to the Alabama backstories and oversold claims of farm to bottle, or maybe... I have just seen how much things have approved in the past decade. See, 10 years ago, Heaven Hill didn't disclose their mash bills. Now they do. We also didn't hear full distillery disclosures on things like barrel entry proofs or still types. Today, I can tell you where most corn comes from for every bourbon brand and how each distillery makes its whiskey. And it's incredible how many source whiskey bottlers are not only disclosing their sources, but are willing to violate NDAs to inform a consumer at a trade show. This stuff just didn't happen a decade ago. Unfortunately, transparency hasn't caught up to the marketers yet. 
Most are willing to put their money behind the tried-and-true story methods of whiskey marketing that dates as far back as the first American whiskey. It's important to have a story. And of course, there's the consumer. So many of us are jaded toward anything coming out of a distiller's mouth that we don't believe anything they say. Forever, I have used this particular piece as evidence we whiskey geeks take bourbon far too seriously. After all, is it really that important? That's why I planted another Twitter poll and posed this scenario. You've got five minutes to jump on a boat to save your life and your families, and you can only take one of the following. Which are you taking? Your best bourbon? Your pet? A keepsake? Or something else? 61% said the pet, and in second was something else. Bourbon came in a distant third with 16% of the vote. So while this is certainly not a scientific poll, it gives me hope that we still have our priorities right. Now, if you'll excuse me, I must take my 11-year-old dog, Remo, to the vet. She's my baby girl, and I have to make sure she's feeling well. And that's this week's Above the Char. Make sure you're following me on Instagram and Twitter, at Fred Minnick. That's at Fred Minnick. Until next week, cheers. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com.
Welcome back to another episode of Bourbon Pursuit. This is the 28th recording of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. And if you're joining us via live or watching this on video, you're seeing something new tonight. Ryan and I are actually here together Whoa. Uh, on camera. How weird. Uh, it's taco night. It was. It was actually, it was taco night here at, at the Coleman household. And well, I mean, it was, a, it was a long story, but Ryan ended up coming over here, had some tacos, and then he realized that he forgot his laptop back in his truck. And I said, well, I guess you're just going to stick around here. We're going to have to just pull the recording equipment downstairs and make this happen. Yeah, I we like were, it. We were yeah. three stouts deep that were like 17. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I really don't feel like going home. So I'm just going to sit here and, and hang out with these. So. Yeah, that's what I don't know if he's ever had before. It's called the big ass money stout, but it was it's like 17 point percent something. So yeah, if you drink one of those, you're like, oh, we killed that. We had a Willitized coffee stout, and then we had a um uh what Avery peanut stout. I think it was like 15. <laughs> like 15 and a half percent, something like that. So, and then you realized you had diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we, yeah, then we said, Hey, when we go downstairs and start drinking some bourbon and start recording. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, there we go. That's like, settle it down. That's how, that's how <laughs> that mistakes are made right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so Fred, how you doing tonight, bud? Pretty good. Um, I'm hurt a little bit. Didn't get the invite here from you two boys. <laughs> no taco night for Fred. Yeah, you no taco night. You're too yeah. far away. You're like in Oldham County. Well, you know, I, I sent some texts earlier to uh, to Kenny tonight, so I think I think they might be finding a way to boycott me. So. <laughs> Yeah, nah, I don't know. So. Six months has been too long. You're afraid <laughs> you're welcome at any taco night at my house. I don't know why they didn't. Actually, you know what? I, Blake, I appreciate that. I bet your driveway is not as hard to get up as Kenny's. Oh, God. <laughs> it's impossible. Every time I'm pretty I sure it, I'm like, I'm going to swipe. Whenever, uh, whenever my Uber driver is backing out, he almost went into your neighbor's uh, neighbor's house, like pulling out of your driveway. Uh, I'm like, I can only imagine this in the snow. This guy's having trouble and it's pretty good weather out today. <laughs> yeah, it's it funny. I driveway. I mm-hmm. parked up top and I had to like, Lauren was pulling in and I like had to guide her into the driveway <laughs> because like, it's so tight. But yeah, it's uh, an interesting driveway. Yeah. You it, can it, almost it, pull into your neighbor's living room there, that one spot with the window. Yeah. Just want to... <laughs> if you go fast enough, it could it could be dangerous. I agree with that. I think we should talk about Kenny's driveway all night. It's really interesting, you know. Yeah, I think I think there's better things to talk about than my driveway. So with that, let's go ahead and go around the table because that's typically what we always do. Nick, let's go ahead and start with you at Breaking Bourbon. All right. Well, I'm Nick, one of the three guys behind BreakingBourbon.com. Check us out online and uh, social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, all at Breaking Bourbon. Uh, thanks, guys, for having me on tonight. This is actually the first roundtable I've been on uh, at the same time as Fred. So I think either Jordan's been on or Fred's missed it. So first time I'm chatting here with Fred as well. So not that exciting. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Prepared to be very disappointed. Uh, don't meet your idols. There you go. You'll never meet your idols. That's probably what to say. <laughs> so with that, uh, you know, I'm going to have go Blake go next. Yeah. Is uh, my mic a little bit better? You're good. No, no it's that's not good. I, I don't think I don't think it's your actual mic that's connected. It's okay. We can we'll have uh, we've got our new person on staff that can cut this yeah, out. She so. loves it. <laughs> Lauren's gonna hate me. She works by the hour, so it's gonna work out great. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, right. if you want to try to fix it real quick, that's fine. Yeah, is that better? No, no. I uh, hey, check your check your cog uh, and see if it's actually about, picking up the Yeti or not. How about now? How about now? Uh, well, it's got to be the Yeti because I'm not in on anything else. 
Um, I don't have headphones in. I got to go get those. Um, you know, what? better. We'll make Just it work. Keep going. I think we're okay. I'm going to go grab headphones after my intro. So, all right. Uh, I'm Blake from Bourboner. Yeah, this is the um, whatever 25th, 27th uh, round table in the world. 28th. We're getting, 28th we're getting up there without now. missing one. So uh, the Brett Favre of the Bourbon Roundtable. Um, yeah, so you can find me at B-O-U-R-B-O-N-R dot com. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Facebook group is, uh, yeah, that's probably the most lively. And then also now on YouTube. So check out the YouTube page and subscribe if you get a chance. And buy a bunch of uh, rum off of yeah. his website too. Because <laughs> that was another thing that kind of happened this past uh, past few weeks was Fred actually named one of uh, the rums that you carry one of the best rums in the nation. He did. He did. He named um, Richland Rum, which was a barrel pick I did from them. It was cast strength. It was, let's see, I think it was just over five years old and um, about five and a half years old. And uh, they, they do it in a very, I hate to say whiskey style uh, but you know, they're going into new charred Oak, they're aging, um, at a, you know, a fairly lower entry proof, uh, no sugar added, no dosage, all of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, Fred named it American realm of the year. So I was pretty excited about that. It's funny. I went to Fred's stuff. office the other day and saw an envelope from Blake Reaper. You have you have yeah, no so idea the kind of shit you could get us into by saying that. <laughs> I know. But but we do have to say is that you know, even though we are all a tight knit, we we actually have our a lot of our own things going on. It it yeah. just happens to all seem that we we just sort of intertwine a lot. But yeah, I, really I can preface that by saying I, I honestly had no clue. I think Fred sent me the link the night it went out, and that was the first I heard of it. So um, no, uh, no funny business. But it, the bottle is available at Sealbox.com. So that's S E E L B A C H S dot com. And then if you just search for Richland, it's the uh, the cash strength version. I think it says Bourboner Pick or something like that. So um, no, I was, I was very excited about that. You know, I remember tasting that, you know, for the first time and it was just, you know, it wowed me. But there is such a, there's such a, a growth in American rum right now. It's mm-hmm. it's very, very exciting. So, you know, I, I think a lot of the craft bourbons have struggled. You know, there's only a handful that really, you know, kind of stood up and kind of taken the lead. But in rum, there's many, many, yeah. many coming off. Richland's right up there. Yeah, Richland's up there, and um, if nobody's ever checked out, uh, Highwire does their uh, Low Country Agricole, which was – I tried that a couple weeks ago, and it was really good. So that's another really interesting one that I'm pretty excited about. Cool, cool. Oh, so what Longest that? intro ever. I know, really. Are no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we still doing the intro? Uh, <laughs> uh, Carrie, would you like to go ahead and give your biography while we're at yeah, it? Sure. This is Carrie from uh, Twitter. <laughs> and um, we'll get to that later. But the, the blog formerly known as uh, Suburbia, S-U-B-O-U-R-B-I-A.com. Awesome um, archived content there you can check out. Uh, going forward, you'll find me always on Twitter at bourbon underscore gamer. And uh, that's going to be my home from now on, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> R.I.P. All right. So the first topic tonight is something that we've discussed on the, the podcast a lot. We've talked about it on roundtables before. And this is just understanding what happens in 
a market where there is a lot of more demand than there is supply. And of course, if you're watching this, you might see some of the bottles behind me of just Van Winkle. It is a name that gets a lot of attention. And when something gets a lot of attention, people are going to try to figure out ways to go around the system. They're going to try to figure out ways to try to game it and make it more beneficial to them. So this past week, uh, I have to give a shout out to Adam Hers as well as Alex Ennis, who did a lot of the legwork and actually trying to figure out where this is coming from. So one of the biggest things that happened this past week on Facebook, uh, one of the forums in the secondary markets, was trying to figure out where are these counterfeit Pappy Van Winkles coming from? So there was a lot of investigative work that happened. And shout out to those two guys that actually did a lot of it. Um, you know, I talked to, to one of them offline. There was uh, weeks that were spent actually texting these individuals, trying to dig into it, doing just grunt work. Um, and then also even going as high as contacting the manufacturer and you know, Buffalo Trace in this regard and trying to get to the bottom of this. And so I'm going to give you just a, some of the highlights of his, of this and just kind of what you can point out here. So some of the main points we look at. So there's a gentleman, he is an employee of Buffalo Trace and he has been discovered as selling fake Pappy Van Winkle. Evidence shows that he was actually buying empty bottles, which he resold three days later, full sealed and quote unquote new. Now, Buffalo Trace and Sazerac has been notified and says they will investigate and take action if warranted. However, denies that any involvement was actually done in refilling. So this case actually took an enormous amount of time from these two individuals to figure it out. Um, some of the basic details of actually how they got there were the source of two counterfeit bottles were actually exposed in another underground secondary group. However, uh, I believe they were found off of Facebook, or sorry, off of eBay. So when they found that, the two bottles in question uh, were a Vanwinkle Rye as well as a Vanwinkle 23. And from there, it kind of went on and on and on and talked about how, you know, it was a he said kind of where where is this going to be in regards of um, what is, uh, you know, really who's telling the truth or, or who isn't. Um, these are all alleged uh, by the way, um, this is nothing that is proven in courts or anything like that. So we can't say that anything is actually true or it's false. This is all just allegations at this point. But this kind of goes on to um, the next thing is to kind of lead in Fred because he did a little bit more digging, uh, got a response back from Buffalo Trace on this matter. And Fred, I'll kind of hand it over to you as well. Well, they confirmed that they knew about it. And that, um, you know, they've been down this road before. They didn't, you know, we didn't go into this with them, but they've been down this road before. Buffalo Trace uh, has been also one of the preeminent leaders in trying to stop like secondary activity. And, you know, their statement is, is, a, is quite a bit more detailed than what it was when they gave me a statement for the previous Pappy High. So I'll go ahead and just read that verbatim. Well, and this is a quote from uh, Buffalo Trace. While we do not comment on specific investigations for several years now, Buffalo Trace has been actively investigating and pursuing counterfeiting and secondary market activities. Counterfeiting and secondary market sales of beverage alcohol are pervasive and destructive activities prevalent in many parts of the world, and they are on the rise in the United States. They represent a threat to the consumer safety 
and need to be stopped, we will not hesitate to take actions against any perpetrators of this illegal activity that we find, end quote. Now, that may not sound like, you know, they're necessarily uh, discussing the specific uh, case at hand here, the alleged case at hand. But what I read in that is that you, you got a distillery who is probably going to pursue a lot of efforts to uh, ensure these alleged activities um, get their rightful day in court if they happened. So are you saying you think that refers to the employee? Because it sounded a lot more like they were saying we're going to come after secondary markets, which to me is just a bunch of. I would I would say it's, you know, from them, it's probably one and the same. Like they have um, they were against the uh, enlarged. They were against the vintage bill that passed here in uh, Kentucky. uh, And that was in part uh, uh, because they Mm -hmm. thought that it could create like a kind of like a distribution system, like an illegal distribution system with someone who's not a regular distributor and, you know, that people couldn't validate it. So they were afraid that that might kind of create like a counterfeiting scheme there. And they are always um, a proponent of ending secondary market activity. Now, what we have seen in our networks is typically not what they kind of go after. What you see that, you know, what they are more uh, concerned about has usually been like Craigslist. Um, It's not, there hasn't been a, there hasn't been a, you know, from the distillery community when it comes to the enthusiast group like us, they're not necessarily as concerned about that as they are um, Craigslist and, you know, non-enthusiast secondary groups. And what what happens here is anytime you have somebody who hurts the community and does things outside of enthusiasm, they counterfeit it and they cheat the game, it really ruins it for us all. And if any of us here allegedly use the secondary market, that is. So oh, come on. What, what is what is but, never never seen it. Never yeah. seen it. I don't I don't have any idea. Like I just found these nineteen seventy three wild turkeys like in my grandpa's basement. Yeah, you know? right. You went to an estate sale. It's okay. Yeah, they, I, they had them. I've done that sale. a lot. Shame on the estate guy for selling it to me. Right. <laughs> you know, I think that the the point they make. You know, Craigslist. I think ninety percent of the time is a, is a store owner or somebody associated with a store who doesn't have knowledge or know how to get into whatever these markets you're talking about in other places. But, you know, I think that, that you have two sides of the coin. You have the, the, the consumer side, which are, I consider the hobbyists because a lot of the people who are selling stuff just want to buy different bottles. So Absolutely. it's just a, it's a reinvestment into a hobby. It's not so much a dirty practice of, I just want to make a bunch of money, you know, and then put it all in Bitcoin, like <laughs> some other people I know. It. But, Somebody I know. you know, I think there's, there's two sides to it. Is that, and then you have, people who are legitimately in the business of just making money, purely money from it. And I think that's probably who they would intend to go after, hopefully. Well, this all goes back to everything in alcohol always goes back to prohibition. And the when legislation hits alcohol, it typically takes the worst thing that happened and they punish everybody, you know, for it. And so, uh, you know, the, the arguments from the distillers are the secondary market is bad because they're not legal sales of alcohol and that could 
lead to um, another prohibition of sorts. Uh, it could lead to, um, you know, some kind of federal governance that they don't want. And that's in part why, you know, the Kentucky Distillers Association created or lobbied for, you know, the Vintage Spirits Act, which now makes it perfectly legal for an individual to sell a bottle of uh, vintage spirits to a liquor store or a bar. What do they call vintage, by the way? Vintage really just means it's out of distribution. Like, so they don't have a, um, there are restrictions on there. Like you can't sell more than 24 bottles in a year. But, um, you know, in terms of what is vintage, it just has to be out of distribution. So like you can't, you can't sell your maker's mark for example, that you bought two years ago because it's still in distribution. But the idea is it's not going to hurt the traditional channels. It's not going to hurt the traditional retailers and they're going to keep anybody from getting big. That's right? exactly right. So you're going op- to open up the market and try to bring it out, out of Craigslist and out of those areas and hopefully into people's hands that have some way to judge whether or not it's legitimate whiskey. Well, that's right. Bottle. In, in, in North Carolina, did the same thing. But the federal government, the minute that uh, Kentucky passed this law, the federal government issued a um, issued response saying that it's still in violation of federal code. And right now, the Kentucky and North Carolina are still kind of operating in that in the same um, manner that Colorado is with marijuana. Right. So you're you're you know, we're still in some gray area and, you know, in Ohio, you know, there were what a dozen people who just got arrested for selling things uh, like Pappy. And um, I think there were some vodka sold too. Um, you know, people were just regular people selling stuff to someone else off of Craigslist. But that, that was the Ohio. Yeah. That was Ohio. That went after that, right. That was, yeah, you, you see the, you see the control States do this like Pennsylvania right. will do it every year. Uh, Ohio does it every year. So if you live in a control state and you're selling um, alcohol, you know, to a non, um, um, to a non, if you're a non-licensed person with alcohol and you're selling it, you're doing it at a great risk because they so pay a lot like, more attention. It's almost Opposed like they want to make an example of somebody once or year. twice a year or two in those states. You know, that's just the unlikely person that got caught. Yeah, that's okay. everybody that's doing it. That's and oh, exactly by the way, it, was, it wasn't actually an example made of somebody, or is it really a crackdown? Because in my opinion, I don't think it's slowing anything down. It's just that they were just the unlucky people that day. Um, I, I don't think anything's actually slowing down that this particular trend in the market. And oh, by the way, it's funny, like these same states that arrest people for selling it, they conveniently lose two bottles of Pappy every single year when the, when it comes to <laughs> selling it. You know, when you know damn good and well, it went into a senator's pocket or something. Well, yeah, Ohio does shady shit anyway. You know the the old weather antique price increase allegedly. <laughs> it's confirmed by Buffalo Trace, right? Forty nine ninety nine across the country. Well, Ohio has said, "F you, we're we're charging twenty nine ninety nine. Somehow, they're getting away with only charging twenty nine ninety nine for because it's a control state, and I guess they can set where they want." So well, technically, they can set whatever they want, no matter what, because the manufacturer can't set the pricing. But still, how do you? Uh, Wouldn't you I, try I, pay more for it though? If the that, if that's what, I'm, goes up. what I can't figure out is um, because I'm sure it's going into distribution at a higher price. How they're just saying. Um, 
kind of screw you. We're going to lose money on this product. That's a simple this. case of they're they're probably sitting on they're sitting on product yeah. that was left over from you know. So the the price increase is is connected to the to the most recent uh, you know distribution. So I, yeah. I doubt Ohio is going to stand by that long. They probably just have a bunch of extra Weller. Yeah. So here, here's a here's a here's a good point that was brought up by Mash and Drum here on the on the chat. Mash and, and Drum, what up? How about it? And they said that that Ohio, the reason they did it is because their reasoning is that it hurts small liquor stores, and saying that ninety percent of stores will never see a bottle because of the secondary. Do you see this as true or not? How is but how how is that how is that possible? Doesn't it have to go through them first? Ultimately, I mean, I would think a lot of these small stores might even be the ones that are. Some of them putting it on the secondary mm-hmm. in the first place, or working with somebody, or getting it to somebody who they know probably will. No, yeah, I totally I, agree. I don't, I don't understand uh, how that would would affect it, but I, I don't know the whole um, you know Buffalo Trace coming down on it. it it's and I know we kind of mentioned the guy here earlier, but I kind of think back. Who was the and Fred may remember this. Whenever there was the big Pappy heist there was some like middle school principal whose name got thrown into the news because he had walked into a store and asked for Pappy Van Winkle. Well, then the next thing you know, like security footage is getting posted of this guy. And basically all he had done was walked in and said, Hey, do you have any Pappy Van Winkle? The store owner took it as, Hey, I have a bunch to sell. And somehow this guy gets his name drugged through the mud. So you kind of don't want to see that repeat itself with, some of these fakes that are popping up until it really is confirmed. Um, so was that his story or was that the, no, 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 that was the actual truth was yeah. it came out. He was like, man, I'm just hitting stores, seeing who has it. But um, with this, it does feel a little bit different because there's like, you know, eBay records of somebody buying an empty bottle. But at the end of the day, there is no good solution. You know, th- this got posted in the Bourboner group and, some people are like, oh, just shut down every secondary market. Well, I mean, I don't want to see that. Uh, like, I- I've purchased really old bottles that, you know, a bottle from 1948, I have no other way of getting that bottle aside from some of these enthusiasts. Um, do I want to see each bottle of Pappy Van Winkle getting turned around and flipped in a car on Craigslist? No, I don't want that either. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I think Buffalo Trace has – a lot, a lot of bigger fish to fry. Um, now we'll see if they come out with something like um, what's what's not not the REFID chips, but like the counterfeit. Um, I, I know there's some strips and stuff they use. I think it's McCollin and the Scotch that uses them that they can kind of use those. But I, I really just think buffalo trace wants part of this to just go away and not be an issue when we talk about the percentage of sales that these bourbons are to sazerac as a whole um yeah they want yeah when the last pappy heist happened i was i was covering that and i i remember you know at that point in my career this was all you know i had left i had large i just got into that point in my life where i was really over Iraq. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm an Iraq vet. And it took me some time to, to really get over that. And I was done with my investigative reporting days. And I remember covering that. And it was like my bourbon innocence was lost because <laughs> the guy, 
you know, child pornography came up in the case. And when that happened and there, there were steroids and there was all kinds of different things that these people were just criminals. Mm. And so we have to look at this as like, we have to take away the fact that this is our love. This is our hobby. This is, this is the passion we've, we've come to know and love and just realize that it's money for people. And when you have money, you're going to have crime. And, you know, I just urge everyone out there to not get down on this, to not give up on bourbon and just like, you know, get off of these groups and to, and to move on to something else because the passion is still there. Uh, you just got to realize that when crime happens, criminals commit them, not enthusiasts. Yep. Yep. Got to find people the rotten chase, egg. Because people chase money thing. for sure. You know, you look at, it's um, a good point of just it, it, criminals. They, they don't care whether it's Pappy, whether it's wine, whether it's whatever it is. If they can make a an extra dollar, that's all it comes down to. And that's kind of what I like about most of the um, groups that I think some of us associate with is it is just other enthusiasts trying to help each other out. It's not about flipping as much and yeah, there's additional value there, but at the end of the day, most people are just looking for specific bottles. Um, I, I, I love your points about it. I disagree a little bit because I think it's kind of exciting in the bourbon world, right? We got drama going on. We can, <laughs> we can talk about it. It brings us together and we get excited and we post it out on the forums and we follow it and we eat our popcorn and, do our gifts and everything. And it's, I mean, it's like, there is a, we do like our drama, don't we? <laughs> it's like watching I mean, the yeah. days of our lives. Yeah. I don't think well, we it's like a watching a car crash. You're like, well, I can't, I can't yeah. turn away now. Right. And as long as it's not affecting the majority, if it's just affecting a minority, you know, it's, um, yeah. a little bit of drama. You, you here can't make a role for a few. That's, that's what I've learned in life is like, you're always going to have a few idiots out there. You can't make a role for the few F ups out there. Yeah. yeah, and you can't uh, you can't what is it you can't make uh, or you can't police morality or what's what's the saying by like Plato or something you can't uh, legalize morality. No. It's something you like got, you got you know, really deep with this right know, there. Philosophy roundtable. <laughs> like, yeah, no matter what, people are going to find a way to skirt around the system. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I bet. My last point on that is I think it does teach people to be a little bit more careful. You know, I think you get comfortable yeah. and, and, and you've got to be careful with stuff. I, I think that's, that's where I was thinking too. I think, you know, you can get caught up in the excitement and, you know, you got to remember if you're looking for something like Pappy on the secondary, there's a chance it may not be real. You know, there's a chance there's something else going on there when somebody on the other side of the transaction could be making a lot of money. You don't know them. You're in a, illegal market to begin with, you know, I think that's something you have to go in with skepticism when you're looking and, and you got to understand there is some risk and, you know, just participating in it on either side, obviously, you know, it's something you can't forget. And, you know, obviously the more expensive and highly sought after the bottle might be, you know, the greater chance there might be that there's something like that going on or some, somebody you don't know, the greater chance there is, there's a criminal behind it. So, Dick, I want to kind of take that in a different direction and ask one more question of the group before we kind of move on here is that there's 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 skeptics everywhere and, and figuring out what they think there is on the secondary market. And there's one person out there that, you know, he he always says, like, I bet that over 50 percent of the Van Winkles on the secondary are all fakes. 
No. I I am very, very much against no that saying that like if it's anything, it might be less than two percent. Um, but kind of what is, what are your all's thoughts on that in regards of A, either how easy it is to be able to do it, and B, is there really a good percentage of what you think is actually fake out there? Well, I think I think good, first of all good fakes, because most of us can spot the the obvious fakes. I, I think the volume of fakes like that, relatively speaking, to everything that's going on through the retailer channels, even though it might be to specific people and lotteries and things like that, is small to begin with. So I think you're dealing with a, a relatively small market as it is. So you're going to take that relatively small market and make it even smaller in that scenario, because now you've also got some something where somebody is actually bottling something else and packaging it and doing more with it. And how many people are going to actually turn that into a business versus one or two bottles? You know, that's the question too. You know, how many can you get away with? I'd imagine at some point, if it's a lot, people are going to figure it out, you know? You know, there was, um, there was somebody that leaked uh, from a distributor, I believe maybe two years ago, they leaked, you know, they don't release how many, how many bottles of Pappy. And I'm talking just about 15, 20, 23, but it, it was leaked how many came to Georgia and we were able to kind of figure out the number, I think it was in the 20,000s of if you combine 15, 20, and 23 that year. So if you look at just a year, that, that number, 20,000, how many of those, you know, really are fakes that we're talking about if we're talking about 20,000, you know, each year out there? I, I, I would agree that it's probably a very small percentage. And I think it depends on what we're calling the market. Like, are we calling... The secondary market, we kind of see flipping on Craigslist and, you know, Bottle Spot, Facebook, whatever it is. But I think it's got to be small, um, you know, because people are just too happy to go and just win a bottle at a lottery and put it up for sale the next day. Um, the time that people would have to spend to, you know, get the foil, put the foil on correctly, refill it. You know, maybe it's naive, but I still think we're talking about maybe half a percent at most, assuming kind of there's that 10 to 20,000 bottles floating around any given year. Um, I don't think I've even so seen it, a fake bottle. Like I would want to see examples of what the fakes look like to be even to, to be able to tell what the difference is. I mean, is it color? Is the color the difference? Is no, it- so- so I've seen two in the last month or so. One, it was a Van Winkle rye where the color just looked off, and then they were able to um, they were able to trace the bottle back to an eBay sale of an empty bottle. And then uh, same thing with a Pappy Twenty Three. The color wasn't off. Actually, everything looked perfect on the bottle, but they were able to trace back the uh, the, the bottle code to an empty sale on. Um, on a 20 or on an eBay bottle. Um, but I've seen people on a 23 year, uh, this was a couple of years ago where they did that, but they actually tried to just change a letter just a little bit, like make an E and A or something. And you could kind of tell, but I mean, honestly, aside from opening it up, who knows what they put in it, but I would have never guessed it. And I get a lot of messages from people like, Hey, is this fake? I'm like, man, I don't know. Cause I don't want to point you one way or the other because it looks good to me. I'll tell you that, but that's not to say it's not fake. So I think there's something interesting going on in the chat that, you know, somebody bring up the point of we're talking about total percentage that are fake, 
but what about the percentage that are specifically on the secondary? You know, what percentage yeah. of what on what's on the secondary do we think is potentially fake? I know the secondary market in China is 100% fake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still interested. What is the secondary you. market you all speak of? Yeah. Oh, yeah? yeah. I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what we're talking it's about. Where those, it's where those national distillery bottles from old granddaddy keep making me buy come from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, keep it I up. I will tell you, our site was picking up analytics in China for a while, a couple years ago. Almost all our pages gleamed over with extra stuff in the name of the URL, and then suddenly it all disappeared. Uh, so we think what happened is somebody grabbed it, forgot to remove the analytics, and then realized at some point. So pretty certain there's a breaking bourbon China going on that we don't know about. <laughs> Can we have those guys on? Can we have them on for a special uh, roundtable? Yeah. <laughs> so imagine this scenario, like the Pappy 23, a guy gets on and he says, I want Pappy 23, I'm buying 10 bottles. And he ends up having a wedding, and let's say five of those bottles are fake and five aren't. Is anybody at that party going to know the difference? They're going to open no. those bottles up and drink it. Be like, Hell, I wouldn't even know the difference. <laughs> but, you know, if it was like Barter House or something, they'd be like, God, this is amazing. This is, this is a delicious orphan barrel. But um, I, I just wonder how many would even know that they were not drinking. I, I think I've had it once in my life. I don't even know if I would be able to tell myself if it was real or not. I oh mean, it, yeah, it. Uh, I think you make a good point of – I think most people would not even know because they're already so psyched up to drink Pappy 23. In yeah. their mind, it's already the most amazing thing they've ever drank. Yeah. The, the placebo is <laughs> already in effect. Yeah, yeah. Yes, 100%. I think that's the point right there is then why bother paying that much for it? You yeah. know? Well, because it's, it's a rich person's... Because uh, it's not right. a, bourbon's not irrational. It's, it's a <laughs> now that we now that we've went through this um, you know this contemporary discussion of of bourbon counterfeits, I'd like to give kind of like a little bit of a historical you know background to this because this was a very serious uh, issue in the 1800s. The very good bourbons would always be counterfeited, and they would take out. Uh, a considerable amount of uh, advertisements and, and newspapers to encourage people to purchase the um, legitimate, you know, bottle, and they would spell out like how to tell it was it was uh, Old Pike or Old Crow or or Taylor, you know. So they had uh, they dealt with this stuff in the 1800s. It happened in the 1950s. And now that bourbon's popular again, it's gonna it's gonna happen. I like uh, Mark Unger's comment here. It said real fake pappies are actually more rare than real pappies, so they should actually be worth more. But um, you know, with that, I think that's a that's a good good kind of way to kind of wrap this up uh, in regards of this segment, and just to make sure that everybody knows as a PSA that this actually it's a real thing. If you have empty Van Winkle bottles, just destroy them. If people want to use them for crafts, that's cool. Get a permanent marker right in the back, drill a hole in the bottom, whatever it is. Just don't sell it on eBay because if you do, you are part of the problem. So what you got something else you want to add, Fred? No, I was, I was just giving the old, oh, oh, how about <laughs> it? All right. So one of the things that's kind of more topical because, uh, you know, we like anointment. Well, no, I guess not only annoyment, but I mean, more topical in conversation. See, you, you come here and we're together. Now we have this banter and it doesn't work yeah, very there's well. too much bourbon here. <laughs> um, so there is a new Netflix series called Tidying Up. 
I I don't know if you've watched it. I don't know if your significant other has watched it, but it is all about this lady that comes in and figures out a way to make your house just a little bit more tidy. And it's almost like anti-everything that we would know in regards of like bourbon hoarding and bourbon collecting. So I kind of want to kind of put it to you guys uh, first, if you've actually seen the show. Uh, and second, like, what do you think this really means? Like if somebody, because her whole, her whole shtick is like, if you look at it, does it mean something to you? And like, can you go to your bourbon bunker and look at a bottle and say, does it mean something to you? And should you get rid of it? I have the problem with the freaking, like a bottle like this. You have like an inch left of juice and you're like, oh no, I cannot drink it or get rid of it. I can't do anything with it because it's gives me so much value and I'm scared to like get rid of it. So, so that would be my huge I, problem. I um I started a system probably about two years ago where I have I have a couple bins and then I have shelves and then I have a thingy over there and then there's some more over there. But of the bins, there is one bin that I consider the not sale bin of and mainly it's single barrels. Like well, I want to be able to have one pick of each really good single barrel that I know that I'll never get again. You know, like a, a Weller 12, I'll put them in the get rid of a drink bin. But like a single barrel to me is the stuff that you can't replace later on. You could always go online and say, hey, does anybody have Parker's 8, you know, or something like that. But you're not going to be able to replace the first you know, single barrel from a group you joined or, or one that you picked out or, or something like that. So I think you, you, there's definitely a way to separate what you would, what I would consider to be stuff that I would absolutely miss and stuff that I would miss for a little bit. Yeah. So I actually hate this whole documentary because <laughs> <laughs> I have some, some slight hoarding tendencies in my DNA. And so, uh, you, you know, getting rid of things, my wife tells me like, it's not painful. Why is this painful to just throw stuff away to you? You know, she loves to just like clear out the closet or clear out whatever it is. Um, so yeah, probably I should be the one watching this, but I refuse to because of that. Um, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, she makes good points. Like, what does this really mean to you and that kind of stuff? And to me, it's, it's memories. It's, Hey, who did I drink that bottle with? Hey, who did I, uh, you know, what did I buy that for a special occasion? And, um, yeah, I have a hard time just getting rid of stuff. So I think it was a couple, maybe it was 2017. I tried to do like a no open new year. So just drink through bottles that were already open. And then like two months in, I'm like, well, I'm just burning through too many bottles. I'm just going to keep opening new stuff and pushing these to the back of the cabinet. So, like um, most resolutions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, didn't go too far, but it, that that's one I just have a hard time with. And, and it probably says something we moved recently. And, um, so just not even like the majority of the, my bourbon is at my office. Went, you know, those you yeah, know, yeah, his yeah. been way gone now. Yeah. That's, yeah, the it's, it's, a, gone it's a like three new year, new Blake. Yeah. So, uh, the majority of my bur bourbons at my office. And then, so what was left at the house, we have it all packed up and it's like, you know, six of these big, uh, plastic bins for, for clothes just filled with bourbon and whiskey bottles and everything. And my wife looks at it and goes, I want you to look at this and tell me this is reasonable and rational for one person <laughs> to have. I'm like, 
You look at it and you're disappointed. I look at it, I'm pretty impressed. I think a lot of people hey, like to come hang out over here. <laughs> show her her shoe collection. Yeah, and her say, are all these necessary? That never works for me because she does. She goes, all right, I'll go get rid of all of them. And then she'll just go buy new. I'm like, no, that's not how this works. Right, right. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it um, it, there should be some um, method to the madness, but with for sure. But I guess another question I'll feed to you all is that, you know, we we see it all the time. We see it all in the groups and people say like, oh, bunker clearing event, like blah, blah, whatever. Like, is this a is this a like a justification for it? Or is that just another bullshit excuse because you bought too much stuff and then you just realize, well, I've I've got nowhere to do no, I've got nothing to do with it. I'm not gonna drink it. I might as well just unload it. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. I guess another question I'll feed to you all is that you know, we we see it all the time. We see it all in the groups and people say like, oh, bunker clearing event, like blah, 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 whatever. Like, is this a is this a like a justification for it? Or is that just another bullshit excuse because you bought too much stuff and then you just realize, well, I've I've got nowhere to do no, I've got nothing to do with it. I'm not gonna drink it. I might as well just unload it. I, I don't it's bullshit. think I, I don't ever feel like it it's too much that's never gonna get drank. You know, I think that expanding collection is fine. You know, it's that much more to choose from with people. I mean, a bunker clearing event, I think is just an excuse to get together and drink bourbon with people for fun, which always, a bad thing. <laughs> always a good thing, right? I mean, whatever yeah. excuse there is, that's a good thing to do. I feel like, um, I've gotten hangups with some bottles with finishing them. In fact, the first thing I had, not because of this topic, but this Blanton's from 2013, it's, just something I haven't really had in a while. And I just did the last pour of it uh, tonight. I wasn't particularly saving it for anything, but, you know, kind of just happened to notice it was getting low and thought, oh, it looks like one pour left in there. I might as well, might as well drink that. You know, I guess the idea being that there's 
all these new things with bourbon, you know, the whole thing is about the single barrels and the unique limited release. And you can look at it and I'll look at my collection sometimes and say, I kind of have a story with almost every single one of these where they either change the label or they had an age statement and now they don't have the age statement or, you know, the juice is different now or whatever the case might be, you know, that you can look and make up something for it. But I think at some point you got to just kind of let that go and say, you know, there's always going to be that. And then there's always going to be the new ones that are coming along. And the whole point is really to drink it and enjoy it. So see, that's I kinda, what I try to tell Kenny every time I come over open here, it's like, let's well, open up something. Come so, on, man. So you say that and I've got, exactly. a, I've got, a, I've got an open antithesis of that. I got an antithesis of that because Nick just told us it took him almost five and a half years to kill that bottle of Blanton's right there. <laughs> so like, so what's like, what's a good time limit to have on an open bottle then? Well, that's because I have so much open. I got too much open. I can't do them that quickly. (laughs) We have so much bourbon. Everybody has so much bourbon. We have ridiculous amounts of bourbons that if if we cut it all off now, we would be fine till we got old age. I mean, I I have so many bottles everywhere, all over the house, but yet I'm still, oh, look, a new barrel came into town. Let me buy five of those. (laughs) You know, we have so much bourbon, but... We're always afraid of missing out on that one special pick. We're like, you know, yep. down the line, we're going to be in our deathbed. We're like, man, if I had just gotten one more of that <laughs> bourbon crusaders or that, you know, that bourbon round table, Buffalo Trace, you know, life would have been complete. And it's like, it really, it doesn't matter. We're just drinking good bourbon whenever we drink. And that's all that matters. We just can't get that, that part in our head. You know, my problem is, is that I get that taste of a, of a good bourbon, and I, I want to drink the whole damn bottle, you know, that's the problem. So I end up hiding yeah. it for myself and then I see it later and, you know, <laughs> so it, it, good bourbon, man, is uh, w- when you get it. Yeah, I know I lost the camera. I can't get it back on. <laughs> yeah. I sent him a text message. No I kind of like this new Terminator look, though. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I see that. That's, uh, that's, a, that's an old army photo. Uh, am good, I bald man. in it? Am I, is my head shaved? No, you have some hair there. I um, see some hair. Uh, no facial All right. hair, though. T- tonight's, I- I'm going for another pour. I'm going to find a bottle of, that I can kill on this round table. So that's, hey, that's is this, my goal uh, for tonight. Blake, Don't is this in honor of me? Yes. Yes. Carrie, everything tonight is about you. Look, these are brand new glasses I got for you guys. Aren't they sexy? <laughs> yeah. So as we're, as we're talking about just this and how we're drinking a lot of stuff and, you know, but the thing is, a lot of people look at us and they call us, and I, I hate it. I hate it when people call us influencers because, at least Ryan and myself, I don't think we don't uh, we don't we hate to be called influencers. Yeah. Um, it's just just because I don't know how we got there, but but people do. But however, there was a good article that came out from thewhiskeyjug.com uh, today, which we're recording on Monday. So when you hear this on Thursday, make sure you go check the show notes. But in short, it actually talks about what is the definition of whiskey sommelier. Now, a whiskey sommelier, and and this is the TLDR version, um, is actually a term that is uh, it does actually doesn't exist. Um, the only reason it does exist because, and I'm taking it uh, directly uh, from Josh Peters's website here, here, and exactly you know verbatim what he says is a term that's made up by some marketing folks in Texas who run a thing called the Wizard Academy, aka the Whiskey Marketing School. Now, it's not endorsed or accredited by any reputable association nor distillery. It has zero associations with any actual court of master sommeliers. And to become a whiskey sommelier, all you need to do is pay $4,000 and attend a two-day course. 
And with Great that, deal. you need, exactly. I mean, it's a fantastic deal, but you need zero prior knowledge of whiskey. It is a quote unquote certification that you buy and obtain in a weekend and that you do not actually earn over years of work. And that takes studying like a real, uh, I guess you say wine sommelier. So before we go into this, and I, I don't think we really need to dog them or, or anything, but if you need to learn more about it, I and encourage you to go to whiskeyjug.com and read the entire um, article that talks about this because it it really goes on in depth in, in regards of really what the levels that they go through, the levels for each, are, they charge for each level. So you're talking like 4,000 for the start and then 2,000 for every level above there to actually become this uh, quote unquote sommelier. Uh, but again, there's a lot of um, inference and the fact that it is not endorsed by any distillery or any other program that's out there now. So it's worthless. Well, uh, worthless. It's worthless to people like you or I, or to anybody here. Uh, however, to the general public, maybe it's not because it's one of those things that you can just buy a certification for. Um, you know, ourselves, along as Fred, we've talked about this before in regards of actually how hard it is to actually create a, a whiskey sommelier program. Um, you know, I, I want Fred to go ahead and kind of give a little bit of, of his background on it because I know that he's been um, asked to do this before and, and been a part of this uh, as part of his uh, regular day job as well. First of all, a huge shout out to uh, Josh Peters and the Whiskey Jug for uh, great reporting. Uh, that made, uh, you know, this story is... Uh, it brings a big smile to my face to see someone taking the effort and the time to do that type of reporting. So thank you for doing that for the community. Uh, whether or not you agree with it or not, it was good, solid reporting. Um, now, the sommelier, so for those who don't know my background, I actually uh, did a lot of wine writing. I was, my biggest claim to fame in the wine world was, um, I was, I broke the news on uh, um the uh, classification controversy in Saint Emilion in uh, in the two thousands, and um, I was you're talking over our heads. I think most of us have no idea what you're talking about. Anyway, I was up for International Wine Writer of the Year, and I'm in this room with Robert Parker, Jancis Robinson in London, and all I want to do is be around bourbon people in 2012, right. and that was the moment I decided to drop wine and go just to bourbon, and I spent a lot of time with sommeliers, specifically master sommeliers. And there is a high level of uh, tasting. There's a lot of transparency in wine. So they can taste a wine and know for a fact the, the grapes that were used. They know for a fact the hillside that those grapes came from. And they know for a fact the percentage of the blends. Because if people want to have the classifications on their wine bottles, they must adhere to those rules. Now, it is impossible for whiskey to have an, an have a an equivalent of a sommelier program because Jefferson's is getting and Jefferson's and you know any other uh, non-distillate producer is getting whiskey from three different distilleries and they don't disclose it so there's no way that your palate can ever be trained to understand what Jefferson's is because you know they are getting stocks from several different sources with that said the same the the actual distilleries trade barrels with one another all the time. So it's on so it is not irregular for someone like Jim Beam to sell 
uh, say, 500 barrels to someone like um, Diageo or Brown Foreman. Pursuit uh, Series. <laughs> Pursuit Series. <laughs> Ma- Maker's Mark is, is is probably the only one that doesn't take in um, take in whiskey and wild turkey. Uh, the same, you know, they don't take in uh, stocks from other people, but they, you know, but the, the fact is, it is hard for professional palates to to uh, to identify what a whiskey is because that target is always changing. Not only that, but then you have the distilleries changing their age. And so while a a wine producer must cling to the rules, you know, the whiskey distillers have no rules for in terms of like, you know, flavor or quality. You have straight bourbon. That just means it has to be two years old. You have bottle and bond, which if you strip away a lot of the production stuff, just means it's a hundred proof and at least four years old. Unless there's a stated age, you don't have anything to cling to as a taster. So there's a lot of, th- and that's what the sommelier service is. It is a stewardship from wine professionals to be able to cater to uh, consumers. So, you know, when I wrote the book Bourbon Curious, I did my very best to give a kind of like, you know, break away some of those um, those hidden, you know, hidden facts in, in the bourbon world because the distillers were never going to just straight up disclose them. Now they're starting to disclose more and more, but at the at the end of the day, we don't know the exact age of Maker's Mark. We don't know the exact age of, of Buffalo Trace or Evan Williams. These things are composites, and there may be four-year-old barrels in there, one dump. There may be none in the next. So the sommelier level comparison uh, to whiskey from wine is is not fair. We have to have our own program, and it really comes down to a lot of the programs that are out there basically cater to the marketing of whiskey. I've been approached by many people to start a sommelier program. I've refused them all because I don't believe um, that it is if, – if the distillers are in charge of it, then it only helps the distillers. It does not necessarily help the consumer. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that in a different direction. And Fred, you've talked a lot. So I'm going to go to talk to somebody else about this. I do but... talk a lot. Yes. No, 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 it's okay. <laughs> it's, I fully it's, admit it. It's, it's the background that we all love. But, um, and, and I think the real shtick here, what Josh really tries to get out with this article is that he dogs on it because it's, it's, he uses the term sommelier. And that is something that is very connotative to the wine world that takes years and years and years of work to actually attain that particular title. Now, he could have called it steward. He could have called it, um, I don't know, wizard. He could have called it whatever it was, uh, you know, whiskey wizard. You know, he could call it whatever it is. But the fact that he, they used sommelier, I think, was the real turnoff. Uh, I want to kind of turn out to, to any of those other guys on the, the table here. Uh, do you really think that's, that's the case? Uh, was it really just because of that particular word? Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in a little bit. I think from their perspective, that's a great word to use because it it does have that correlation with what people are thinking and going to the program and why it should cost $4,000. But, you know, I think I put this in our group chat when we're talking about this show of I don't know if we need that in the bourbon world. Like nobody's going to high end restaurants saying, hey, what bourbon should I pair this with? Hey, what, you, you know, kind of that whole cultivating the process. Um, so, you, you know, I'm, 
obviously I've had some, uh, um, some turns where I'm trying to, you know, turn something into nothing from the bourbon or blog. So I, I don't fault them for trying to make this whole thing up. I just think from like a consumer standpoint, you know, people going to spend $4,000, what are you really getting? Like, are, are you trying to get a job in the industry and that's why you're getting this? Do you work in a restaurant or a bar and that's why you're going to the program? So I, I kind of just look more at the motivation for people who are going to these programs and, and, and what it really does for them to, you know, if I assume in the wine world, if you have the sommelier designation that does help you get better jobs that does help you move up in bar programs and move to higher end restaurants. Um, but with this, um, you know, I, I don't know if it quite has that clout or whatever it is to, uh, to really help somebody, you know, kind of push their career along. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a smart cho uh, choice of words because of what it brings up in people's mind, but like from an actual having, uh, you know, really a backbone there, I don't think it kind of lives up to the sommelier level to, to just be three days, but that's not to say that the whiskey world doesn't need it. I mean, beer has their, was it Cicerones or whatever it is and all of that. So, um, I think at some point we'll need kind of a certification or a, uh, we already have that. Know, we got, we got the Staven thief society. Um, there's a few okay. other ones that are out there already. So it, it, it might just be yet another, um, this is completely separate from Staven thief. For yes. some reason in my mind, I was thinking it was something similar. No, cause this is based like Staven thief here in Louisville. Uh, this is based out in Austin, Texas. So it's just, a. Uh, geographic location of of the difference of where it's at i just yeah, asked the question in the chat i was wondering if anyone knew how many people earn that title each year i may have missed it or just don't remember it from the um write-up i know this that when people wear that medallion at at events uh it, it feels a little it ends up becoming a flavor flave conversation <laughs> you know those those things uh they they feel like flavor flave. What, what's the now, sense, now, that Fred, that you get from, the from why world? do they have it? Yeah. I mean, why are they getting it, Fred? The sense you get, why would somebody go through that program? Because there's nothing else out there that uh, taps into it. Um, and this, this entire genre is about like, I'm better than you. I've got more than this than you. And it, and it taps into that. Uh, they absolutely, from a business perspective, it was brilliant. You know, because four thousand dollars at a pop, you know, you know, a lot of people signed up for it. And uh, oh, Josh uh, says a hundred people had. You know, it. I, I've I've known Tom Fisher for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's what, like I, I mean, knowing Tom, like I like Tom, he's a good guy, and I think he knows this. You know, he's been doing this a long time. Um, he's a nice guy. But that, that's where it's you sound uh, like it's a tummy boy thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but that's where it's just like, you know, just because, you know, some people are nice and we like them doesn't mean we agree with everything they do. I'm sure half the chat hates parts of what we do. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We're profiting off it. <laughs> Anyways, so, yeah. I've been called many things a uh, profiteer, a, you know, a scoundrel, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so while we before we hit on the next topic, I just want to again encourage people to go read that, um, and then you can also he lists 
all the names of everybody that's actually in charge of there. So uh, he does a lot of good sleuthing and you can see their LinkedIn profiles of everything to figure out exactly what have they actually done in our industry that deserves from the title of being able to give anybody the, the, the term whiskey sommelier. So please go ahead and check that out. I would like, I know, I know it's off topic here, but it's also a little bit on the same topic. The, the influencer genre. I recently had um, an influencer um, in one of the social media circles reach out to me about like they're getting like free products and all that. And they got something they didn't like. And I was like, well, you should say you don't like it. She's like, well, but it's free. You know, how do you, how do you say you don't like something that's free? And I was, and I'm even easier. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm sorry. What? You know, I mean, it, it is, it is, it really disturbs me the how easily new whiskey consumers can be um, influenced by people who actually have not become, you know, put in their due or, or taken the time to to study and to learn this to to learn this world. And uh, I'm just curious of everybody's thoughts on this whole influencer craze and social media. Uh, I'm just uh, ahead, Gary. taking pictures, um, <laughs> smiling in my last. Wait, are you looking off in a distance with a handbag and uh, no, pants? I just I'm trying to get like in capture this moment, so I'm <laughs> I'm print screening and saving the pictures. So y'all keep talking. I just want to let you know if you see me smiling, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so when I think about it, it's a. Um, it's an easy target for somebody to try to get into this and, and do something. Um, it's just, this is, it, it, I know a lot of people look at this and they're like, Oh my God, these guys must have so much fun. Um, yes, it is. It is a lot of fun. We do. It's also a lot of work at the end of the day of what goes into it, but fun is, is a part of it. And with that as well, always comes the free sample train. Um, we're all pretty accustomed to it. We, we, we still get, didn't get free samples. Yeah, we get we get a, a little bit. We get most than okay. We get most than the average person. Are you drinking something? We don't even get the BTAC samples tonight. Just a little while ago, a little three seventy, a little two hundred milliliter. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. We were drinking the barrel fifteen year. Like again, those are those are just the, the, the great opportunities that that we get to have. Um, now, nobody sees all the editing and all the everything yeah. that goes in. Well, I know, but I'm I'm just saying that when we talk about the see it, Ryan. <laughs> like when I talk about like really what it. what the outcome of this is, um, you know, we have to look at it in regards of of what is the the public I see, and we have to keep their uh, their best interests at heart. Now, one thing that at least we do, at least with the podcast, you know, we we get stuff all the time. And I would say 90% of the stuff that we get, we actually don't post about. Um, and, and that's because on our side, we've never declared ourselves as whiskey reviewers or whiskey raters or anything like that. However, if we got something, we'd be more than happy to talk about it if it was really that good. Um, or we'd at least put it on Instagram or something like that. However, most of the stuff that we ever get, we just we don't do anything with um, just because it, it's just nothing that we've ever been – uh, blown away by for the most part. Yeah. And I think me and it may have been me and Nick or me and Jordan had this conversation of when you get all these press samples and I can't imagine, you know, what, what Fred gets at this point now too, is you, you can't make any promises of, Hey, I'll post it. I'll do a review. I'll do this and that. It's, you know, it's kind of like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. 
I'll work it in where I can. Um, that may be a good review. That may be a bad review. Um, but really it's, you, you know, kind of going back to the influencer thing, it's, it's kind of hard because it, it, it comes down to what are we really trying to do this for? Are we doing this for the consumers? Are we doing this just to push products more? Um, because if it's just to push products and get more samples in, yeah, keep, given everything a great rating, but I feel like eventually people will catch on and like, man, that sucked. And this guy said it was the best thing ever. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of the tough part, but you know, we've all been there. It's, it's like, if, if you get to 20,000 Instagram followers, you better believe your, uh, DMS are blowing up with brands, uh, asking you if you want to receive samples. So, um, I think the best thing is just to be fair. I, I haven't had much pushback. You know, I think I've been uh, discontinued from a few lists for samples because of products I get, but uh, or because of reviews I've given. But overall, I think most brands kind of take it in stride. Um, Do you know what I'm most proud of as I segue into my retirement phase of blogging? <laughs> I have always been honest. And I said from day one when I started blogging, I was going to be honest. If something sucked, I was going to say it sucked. If it was just okay, I was going to say it was okay. Um, Orphan Barrel, no, yeah, was, or, let's see, how many pl places won't respond to me anymore? Luxco won't respond to me anymore after I destroyed Blood Oath. Um, Michter's actually cut me off their list because I called their 2016 M10 um, bitter and something else. Um, Diageo cut me off. Um, and somebody else, two other people won't respond to me anymore. So I don't give, I don't give a crap. I was honest every time I had a review of something. If it was good, I said it was good. I gave props. Most of the time, honestly, it wasn't that good. I'll be honest. And so I was honest with it, and I feel good that I was, I was not an influencer. If anything, I was more of a person who told people not to buy shit. <laughs> but at the same time, that, that is an influencer as well. I mean, you influenced them away from something. In that sense, and yeah, we yeah. Blake, we definitely had that conversation last time we were in Kentucky, and Carrie, mm -hmm. we've got a list of you know brands and producers that won't reply to us anymore. Unfortunately, we've published some things, and you know that the you know just our honest take on what was going on, and it resulted in that kind of thing as well. But uh, you know, I think I think we lose it if you know if if you don't if you aren't honest and don't have fun with it. You know, we talk about that too. Sometimes when the samples pile up, you feel like oh, there's a lot of stuff. People are emailing you like crazy. You know, we step back and say, you know, we're doing this for fun. In a lot of ways, if it becomes fun, we're not going to want to do it anymore. You know, so we kind of have to rewind and take a step back and say, yeah, well, we're going to write about the stuff we want to, and just let people know, yeah, we you know we don't promise to review everything. It's we said that right away. I mean, we appreciate the sample, like you said, Blake. But uh, at the end of the day, it's you're going to write about what you want to write about, I think, is the main point. And you got to be honest about what you're talking about. Otherwise, what are you doing this for? Right. You know, it's not fun. And then you're just regurgitating what somebody wants you to say. You know, we've been approached by many who even say, here it is. We've written it for you. We're like, no, that's, that's not how we do it. You know, we, we understand that might be less work, but it's not why we're doing this. We could have very easily done that, but that's not the point. Any distillery that won't send breaking bourbon, a sample is not worthy of anybody buying their shit. I mean, honestly, you're kind of like, you Let's guys call them out right blog. now. I will. You guys have the best blog and the best reviews. You're honest. You got the little damn barrels on all that little thing. Like, I don't need that. I mean, you guys have great reviews. Anybody who, 
who doesn't want to send you uh, samples, fuck them. We don't need to buy any. <laughs> I've read it out right there. We don't need to buy. We've, we've had we've had them unfollow us. We've had them stop replying to us. We've had all that. You know, it's just I think I it had, comes. I don't. I think if, had, if that uh, was your friend, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> have you had anyone buy you dinner to yell at you for an hour? <laughs> there's, there's the new there's the new bar maybe my wife <laughs> it's it's gonna happen i assure you they because uh, you, you know you guys have incredible impact on what people purchase and um it, it, that is that is one of the most gratifying moments of a career is when someone buys you a very expensive dinner just to yell at you for an hour it's gonna happen just I uh, want to put this uh, announcement out there. Anyone who wants to buy me a very expensive dinner to yell at me for an hour <laughs> is I'm open. I'll let you know when I'm in Kentucky. And <laughs> FRBs is the spot. Uh, you know, I can zone out better than most. And uh, if you think I can't zone you out while you just scream in my ear, it's great. You know, it's coming. <laughs> Thanks for all our kids. kids you have to right? learn to zone out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you think I can't hear uh, or just enjoy a dinner with screaming in the background, you are mistaken. <laughs> oh man! All right, so we've gone oh, to everybody, an hour. Everybody here is very honest. Everyone here is very honest about this stuff. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, so we've gone here for an hour now. You guys feel like going for like another few more minutes to hit one more topic, or should we table it and then? Uh, I've got one big topic I've got to hit. Okay. I prepared a uh, ten-minute speech and PowerPoint presentation for the retirement of one <laughs> of our veterans. Uh, you know, Carrie was. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Let's go ahead. We'll 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 okay. save the um, the. Well, uh, we should save it for the, next this, time. the salary one. We'll save it for next time again. I feel like that's going to be an ongoing bit of we just, uh, we're going to talk about salary. We're going to save that for next time. <laughs> we're, we're the Jimmy Kimmel and the Matt Damon yeah, of the salary yeah, exactly. bit is what, it, what yeah. it's turned up to. Uh, so tonight, folks. But uh, it, It's yeah. hard to end it on that one, too. That's a, that's a serious topic. Yeah. It sure is. So with that, here. let's go ahead and we will close it out with our last one. Um, as we, we, we say goodbye to a, a, a dear friend of this roundtable, and I know it's not going to be this last time here because I'm sure we're going to pull him out of the bullpen at some point uh, to come on. But Kerry has been a pivotal member of this, uh, bringing a lot of his his quick wit, a lot of his his, his funny antics to this. Um, I, I, I remember, I think, gosh, we, we rhymed back a lot of bourbon community episodes ago. I just remember him. I mean, he still does. He'll give Blake a lot of shit, but you know, being able to say, Oh, you know, I, I'm that guy in the bourbon, our Facebook group. You can find me there. Uh, so Carrie, I want you to kind of go ahead and uh, take it for a second. So I, you know, I realized, I think last month that um, this, just the whole bourbon hobby itself to me in terms of blogging. And uh, I mean, this is not that big of a deal, but I think just being prepared and knowing what's going on, just kind of became a burden for me and was not as fun. And, you know, honestly, you guys are flying high and I'm just sitting here with my ass on the ground comfortable. I mean, I'm comfortable. This ground feels great, but you guys are all soaring. And um, I think it's time to just sit out a little bit and maybe get inspired to write again at some point or, or get inspired to talk again. Um, I think it's just time, you know, I, I feel like the last one, I just kind of, I, I didn't even know what's going on. I'm, I, I just want to, drink some good bourbon and um, hang out and talk with people and um, just enjoy, enjoy life, enjoy bourbon, enjoy relaxing. Um, you know, it's, it's been an honor and a privilege to get to know all of you guys. I consider you guys close friends. I, I hope next time I make it to Kentucky, we can hang out and I can finally drink Kenny's bourbon and 
Fred, meet up with you. It's very good. <laughs> have you buy me a dinner and Nick? You know, see you. It's funny how uh, Kenny's bourbon tastes better than regular bourbon. You know, it's the same does. brand. Free bourbon is the best. But it, you know, this has definitely been in terms of of a hobby. Like nothing has ever immersed me the way that um, I've been immersed in bourbon, and, and it's been a lot of fun. But it's just it's time to just chill a little bit, and so. Um, looking forward to it. Looking forward to just not having to uh, have the stress of writing an article this month. You know, that doesn't matter. Um, it's just about having fun and maybe I'll get a little more perspective if I'm just sitting back and, and enjoying life now. So, um, to all of you guys, I'll, you know, I'll miss you guys on this round table. I'm sure you'll, when your ratings start to go down, you'll pull me back in for, um, you know, a couple times out of the year. And, um, yeah, you all are, I consider good friends. And so thank you guys for bringing me aboard in the beginning and, and we'll see you around. And also just want to let you know, I'm selling this, uh, Buffalo. <laughs> this is price just went up table, uh, Buffalo trace for sale, but not on a secondary market or anything. You can just reach out to me. And, <laughs> and, and that's not a fake. <laughs> yeah. How's that not a fake again? Yeah, that's a fake. Blake, <laughs> you're sore and you're killing it. Um, the seal box. Just don't forget me with that seal box. You know that you said you were going to send me the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got two of them though, right? You got I, I, I got to get you the other one. Yeah. Okay. If you want it back, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, they're, all, they're all amazing. They're all good. No, but yeah. But in Jerry, all do I remember right? Are Are you the one that actually? Initiated the Twitter uh, chat. That's yeah, what I, that's what I was gonna say. Care like you was your idea? Started this whole was, thing off. Yeah, and, I mean, it, was, uh, it was definitely Carrie's idea on uh, the very beginning. He's actually the one that got us all in a group chat on Twitter. Um, let's rewind back to gosh, twenty late twenty fifteen, early twenty sixteen, something yeah, like that. That's yeah. when he was flying high in bourbon. Yeah, and, uh, and and so it, we were. And that was just a group chat. It was a group chat on Twitter, and we just all talked in there and. You know, I, I kind of took this idea from um, uh, a technology side that people get together and they get a bunch of people from the technology realm together and they talk about topics called a roundtable. And I said, well, what if we get like a bourbon roundtable together? And that's that's kind of how all this was born. So, you know, Carrie was definitely a pivotal person and and even making that happen. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, and I, I think my sarcasm and humor really drove the show and like made it become what it is today. So <laughs> I agree and concur. I, I planted a seed, but um, Kara is the Steve Wozniak of the Bourbon Roundtable. I'm the Steve. You're not wearing a turtleneck. It's a hoodie. Like yeah, this is like a, a hangover. <laughs> I, I guess I'm, I'm the fat guy, right? <laughs> you, it's kind of like a Mark Zuckerberg vibe you got going on right now. <laughs> But seriously, I mean, all you guys are amazing. Fred, even getting to know you, just just the small podcast that I've done has been a privilege and an honor and hope to meet up well, with you someday. I meant what I wrote you privately. So just remember that. I appreciate it. And I, in the picture that you sent me. <laughs> Is this going on the Burboner jokes now? Yeah. <laughs> you had to get one last transition. <laughs> one last and, uh, Nick, Nick, man, you guys are killing it. Breaking bourbon. I, I mean, there's, there's no stopping you guys. Looking forward to seeing all that in the future. And then uh, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. And then Kenny. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that, Kerry. It, you know, and I want to say too, I I really did always enjoy every, reading everything you wrote. I thought it just 
flowed really well. I think there was one thing you wrote that really stood out to me years ago. It was like an introduction to bourbon or something like that. What is the last bourbon? Last post you did years ago. <laughs> what, what was that, Carrie? What was that, that post? Okay. It was a long post. One. It was a bourbon 101. Bourbon, bourbon 101. And I thought that was fantastic and entertaining and filled with information. I thought that was a fantastic post. I think it's still worth a read today just to look at it. Absolutely. What is... Um, what is bourbon? What did Carrie Google to write this wonderful article? And uh, and but, um, what's still relevant today? It was actually, you know, what's what's funny. Real quick, and I, I'll finish with this. But I um, I think there was somebody who posted on the Bourboner uh, Facebook page, Bur- Bourboner pa- Facebook page, and they um, they actually copied. There was a, a the last I think funny post I did was stupid things people say in the bourbon world. Do you remember we did a podcast on that? And there was. Mm-hmm. 10 dumb things. Somebody actually copied and pasted the text of that as their own in a post. Do you remember? I think you might've seen it, Blake. And I, yeah. I wrote like, thank you for copying and pasting. You know, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And it's, and then I looked at it and it was 2016 that I had written that. And I'm like, I can't believe it is already 2019. And mm-hmm. it's, 20, I wrote that in 2016. Then. So it's, Maybe that'll come back to me someday, and we'll, and we'll have that. And, of course, to the to the Bourbon Pursuit guys, man, you guys put so much time and effort into these podcasts that everybody listens to. I mean, I didn't even realize how much they listened to it till I said I was retiring, and everyone wrote me and said, oh, it's I, I listened to it, and I listened to it, and my grandmother listened to it, and her sister listened to it. And um, you guys put a lot of effort and a lot of work into into the number one bourbon podcast, so keep that shit up, man. Well, thank you, Gary. We're going to miss you, buddy. It's been a great ride. I know you are. You are. You <laughs> your last post, though, was great. Though your your last blog article was was so on point. Was uh, was that when I was thirty seven? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what that one was. Oh no! But Blake, do you need to kick off your your PowerPoint presentation? Yeah. So um, it's going to start with. Uh, was it Gloria Estefan? Oh, how the years go by. And then I uh, get a little background music that's, um, you know, may move into Tim McGraw. Um, <laughs> is either, is either, that a green, <laughs> either that or Green Day, one or the other. Oh, uh, the time of my yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. You get me. I hope you had that. I could just do it acoustic if that works for everyone for just a quick five minutes. Oh, great. No, it. no, that's, that was a, uh, that was it. You know, I just wanted to talk about. I mean, really, Kara is the one who started this thing off, kind of kind of kicked it in the gear. And uh, lo- love him or hate him, Kara's been a big part of this podcast. It's it's always funny. Kara gets, I feel like, the, the best reactions from people because I'll get an email from someone who says, man, love y'all. Uh, why does Kara hate Bourboner so much? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, he's just kind of joking around. Like, and then he wants to hate himself so much. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, he, I'm sure he's in the Facebook group somewhat, but he's not in there all the time, moderate. Like, hey, uh, did Kerry delete my post? I'm like, he's not actually a moderator in the Bourboner group. But <laughs> <laughs> you could make him do really fun. Should. That should be the next gig. Yeah. yeah. All right, fellas. It's been real. It's been fun. I appreciate it, and um, got spitting class to get to. You know, <laughs> I do. I got to get these muscles. I got to get this bell bell down. But uh, I'll stick around. But um, just want to again say thanks and appreciate everything. 
Well, again, thank you so much, Carrie. And one no, thing I forgot to talk you, about, Carrie. you know, at the the big the top of this was, uh, you know, Brian is not here tonight because his father passed away uh, this past week. So uh, condolences to Brian, and you know, hope he'll probably be on here again in a few weeks. But mm-hmm. with that, I want to go ahead and kind of. Go ahead. We'll close it with that. Uh, I know it sounds like a down note, but you know we had a, we had a great podcast talking about a lot of different topics, um, <laughs> from the fakes to uh, everything else. Uh, and so, with that, I want kind of want to just go around the table one more time where everybody can find you and uh, where you're blogging and uh, you're drinking something. I go ahead and tell us what you're drinking too. So, Blake, we'll start with you. Yeah, so uh, I'm Blake from Bourboner, and uh, let's see, that's B-O-U-R-B-O-N-R, and then sealbox.com, that's S-E-E-L-B-A-C-H-S. Um, you can check out all the, let's see, what the rum that Fred picked as the best American rum of the year, the bourbon that I believe Kenny picked as one of his favorites of the year, which was a new riff pick I did, um, the sealbox pick, but yeah, just Thanks for having me. You know, it's always, always fun. Uh, I, I joke about being consistent with this one, but um, it, it's just one I never want to miss. So um, thanks again for having me, guys. Uh, Fred, Ryan, Kenny, uh, always great to be on the Bourbon Soup Podcast. Tonight, I was drinking a mix of, let's see, I was drinking this new Bull Run. This is a Pinot Noir finished uh, 21 months in a Pinot Noir barrel, and then also a Blanton's from uh, Quality Liquors or liquor store out in San Diego. So, I thought um, you were going to kill a bottle tonight. I was trying to kill a bottle. This was the <laughs> lowest bottle I could find. <laughs> like, oh. And I may die if I try to kill this bottle tonight. So, Carrie, we're going to kill a bottle the next time we're around. So, <laughs> no. uh, thanks again, guys. Awesome. Nick? Well, I'm Nick from uh, BreakingBourbon.com, one of the three guys behind the website. Uh, find us online. Uh, just a little note, release calendar. We got 2019 up. It's a little sparse right now, but uh, you can circle back to 2018 as well. There's a link up to check that out. And uh, we'll hopefully be filling that in a lot more um, as we go forward here. We, uh, some of you guys don't Sorry know to interrupt, this. but doesn't the government uh, shutdown have a big impact on the uh, It does. It's a little slow right during this time. Yeah. Um, but uh, so some of you guys don't know this. So we are uh, in the process of completely redoing our site from top to bottom in a, in a brand new, um, you know, brand new system. It's going to be a lot cleaner, a lot nicer than it is right now. It's taken us an incredible amount of time uh, to do that. We're hoping to roll that out very soon. And, um, you know, then we'll actually be able to spend a little more time on content. We've actually been a is little slow in on like content Is it Adobe Flash or something? <laughs> So probably, uh, all you techers out there probably probably get that one, but nobody what does that mean. I mean, it's it's, it's, a, it's, yeah. it's a language that nobody uses anymore. All right, so, uh, okay. It's cool. like it's like uh, yeah, it's like hieroglyphics for for technology. Sweet. <laughs> Bad so joke. we're point point being though that we're uh, you know we're looking to do a lot of cool things in 2019, uh, and that's going to kind of let us take away time. You know, stuff that's taking away time for that. We're going to spend more time on content, new things we've been wanting to do. Um, but find us uh, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Patreon, all at Breaking Bourbon, and uh, just want to raise a glass too to uh, to carry. You know, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, of course, to, to, to Brian, Brian's dad. So are you guys watching, everybody watching? I'm sure a lot of you guys have a, a bourbon in hand, hopefully. Um, just say, Carrie, cheers to you. 
Thank you. Know, it's you, been sir. a great ride. Hope to see you on here again. And, uh, you know, I know uh, Brian's not with us uh, here for this tonight. I'm sure he'll be on the next one. But, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a big deal, right? I know his, his father was a, a bourbon drinker. I uh, wanted to grab one of his favorite things. I think he said was uh, what Woodford Double Oaked. Uh, I just didn't mm-hmm. have time today, unfortunately. But um, thinking about Brian as well. And uh, so, everybody, cheers to, uh, you know, to you guys and, and, and to Brian. Cheers. Cheers, cheers. And uh, so kind of round it out with what I've been drinking. I've had a couple things here. Um, one I'll point out. This uh, Four Roses single barrel. It's an OBSK. Um, back 2014, this was actually a fine wine of good spirits. That's Pennsylvania's, uh, their name for their their state control liquor authority. But uh, it's a great, great bottle. This was actually a bachelor party bottle for um, Eric years ago. So Eric, one of the three guys behind the site. And uh, we had a lot of bourbon at it. It just happened to be one of the bottles that ended up coming home with me um at the end happened to again it's a low fill happened to just grab it tonight and uh you know these low fill bottles i I really haven't noticed anything bad about them i haven't had any bottles that have really felt like they've degraded um over time so it's still uh fantastic uh fantastic pour but i'll let you have a a one-on-one with wade about that but yeah we we can tell you you definitely have a problem (laughs) of hoarding and not getting rid of empty bottles either well, you you see what I have open over here. It's like it's they're not going away quickly. Okay, <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> it's all good, uh, Carrie. I'll let you round it out here before we finish up. So, uh, I like I said, I think we've said everything we need to say. I've enjoyed everything here. I'll look, you know, come back in uh, once in a while, hopefully, and uh, have some fun. And uh, definitely follow me on Twitter. Send me a DM if you just want to talk bourbon. Um, love to always talk and talk about bourbon and give you my honest feedback on uh, any new releases. Again, it's uh, at bourbon underscore gamer and uh, we'll see you guys around. Thanks again. Oh, slide and slide and carries DMS right there. Yeah. But again, thank you all once again for joining Carrie. Once again, appreciate everything that you've contributed to this podcast uh, over the years. It, it has been a pleasure. Um, Fred, anything else you want to add before we close it up here? Um, you know, I, I the not having Brian here tonight, um, it it's surreal because he shared with us the connection of of bourbon with his father, and and I know you said we you don't want to. Sl- in on a downer note, but I actually look at it as, as, as a happy note because it, you know, the incredible relationship that Brian had with his father and we can never forget that bourbon is really merely a conduit to the relationships we have with people. And, uh, I'd like to propose one more toast, Carrie, I'm going to miss you. I think you have a great voice. You've got an incredible place in bourbon. Um, and my, my door is always open. My phone's always there if you want to, to chat. Um, but, um, to Carrie, to, to Brian and to, to his family, just cheers. cheers. Let, let bourbon cheers. be our friend. Cheers. You know, and yep. with that, um, I guess, you know, Brian, you, you always say it best, you know, we we always love reviews. We always love people, uh, helping the podcast, helping us grow. Thank you to uh, our Patreon community. Thank you everybody else to, that helps make it happen. But, Go ahead and close us out. Carrie, going to miss you, bud. I, 
can't tell me people just come up to me and say, love the community roundtable because of Carrie and the co- comedic. I'm a, I love comedy and I, that's why I'm here for because a lot of people take this seriously and I do too, but I love the fun and you brought a lot of fun and enjoyment for this hobby for me. And so I, I'm going to miss having you here. So, uh, and then to Brian prayers to his family. I mean, it's bourbon's about connection. It's, it connects us to a lot of people and a lot of things. And I, I feel for Brian and I'm, but I'm glad they had that bond together because that's what we're here for is this connection with each other and bourbon helps us do that. So uh, guys, I'm sad that this is going to be the last time we're all together, but maybe not. But anyways, that's how I just want to say never. Never yeah. say never. Yep, absolutely. But with that, thank you once again, everybody. And we will see you all next week. Cheers. 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 Cheers.